Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We just finished up a series that was called Crucial Conversations, and we dealt with a number of issues that are just some, some serious things that are going on in the culture right now that we need to deal with. And I, I think, I honestly believe this, there's no better place. Those conversations should be taking place inside the church. We need to be wrestling with those things, and I think we need to lead the culture. The church has had a golden opportunity to stand up and lead the culture. And so if you missed any of those, they're online. P.S. Hillary crushed it last week. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was so good, sister, and it was so vision-casting for our church. And, and you brought the scriptures, and I just have such an appreciation for that. So if you missed any of those... They're online, cbchurch.org. They're all online. This week we start a brand new series, and it's, uh, it's going to be about the Holy Spirit. And we're calling this, ser- this series The Holy Spirit, Who, What, Why, and Weird. And, and just so you know, I don't mean in any way to be irreverent to the Holy Spirit. I just think there are things that happen from time to time that, where the Holy Spirit uh, engages and acts. And from a human perspective, don't we? Are you like me? We just go, that was weird. Like that. It's not weird, like, look, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Everybody say that with me. People are weird, right? Now, I'll prove it to you. If you're sitting next to someone right now who's weird, raise your hand. That's what I'm saying. People are weird. Folks are weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. He is divine. And so we're going to look at it. So we're going to look at uh, we're going to look at who is, who is the Holy Spirit. We're going to start with that this morning. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about what does the Holy Spirit do for us in us? What does the Holy Spirit give to us? We're going to talk in week three about why. Why the Holy Spirit? What's the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit? And then in the last week, we're going to talk about the weird, something crazy that happened in the Scripture that is in the Bible, everybody. And we're going to take a look at it. So this morning, we're looking at who is the Holy Spirit. And really, not only are we answering that question, who is the Holy Spirit, I want to I make sure we take a good look because I think we need to know about this stuff, but I also want to take a look at this this morning, and that is, what's the significance to me? What's it, we're going to take a look at some, some of that this morning. What's the significance to me of the Holy Spirit? And if you don't understand what the significance of the Holy Spirit is in your life, shame on me. I'm the lead pastor of this church. If you don't know that, it's my fault. I haven't been teaching And so this morning, I'll own that, and we're going to try to correct some of that, and we're going to try to see what's the significance of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then each week, we'll build on it. So I'm going to encourage you, be here all four weeks. Bring someone with you all four weeks. If you're online, tune in all four weeks. If you can get here, come and join us in the house. John chapter 16 is where you want to be in your Bibles this morning. John chapter 16. Uh, a well-known passage of scripture. We'll break it down and we'll look at it just a bit. John chapter 16. When you get that, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, please. And again, I say this all the time. If you're new, you just need to know this. We don't do the up, down, up, down. It's not a workout this morning. But when we read our primary passage of scripture, we always stand. And the reason is this for us. It's not right, wrong. It's just a symbolic. That's all it is. If you ever go to a church and they don't stand, it's not wrong. If we ever don't stand, it's not wrong. It's purely symbolic in that we, we recognize this is God speaking to us. John chapter 16, I'm starting in verse 5, and it says this, But now, Jesus speaking, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, verse 6, you grieve because of what I've told you. Verse 7, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy word. We're in your presence this morning, Father. We know that. We know that you are here. We know that your Holy Spirit is here. We acknowledge that, God. 
And Father, we've come to worship you this morning. We're grateful now for your word, and we're going to spend more time worshiping you in your word. So Father, as we do that, would you teach us? Would you instruct us? Would you give us knowledge? Would you give us wisdom? Would you speak life into us this morning, Father? Do this all in a way that just draws everyone, everyone in the room, closer to you draws us to you, Father. You be glorified. You be noticed. You be praised. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. All right, so let's look at this passage of Scripture as we start to determine and decipher and discern who is the Holy Spirit. Uh, just know this, that this passage of Scripture is a, it's just a part, a segment, of what's known as the Farewell Discourse. Farewell Discourse is r- roughly basically John 14 in John's Gospel, John 14 through about John 17. This is Jesus now. Uh, theologians say this is the last 12 hours, most likely, of his life. He's getting ready to leave. This Jesus is going away. Last, last 12 hours of life. You'll know this. He'll go into the upper room. Many of you know that. We, it's where we get our ideas for the Last Supper. It's him going to the garden. This is, this is it. Famous last words. Just think about that. He's been walking with these disciples for about three years. What is he going to say to them at the end? What's really of importance? So here's the passage of scripture that we looked at. Jesus talking says, but now, right now, I'm actually going away to the one. Who's the one? God the Father. I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Do you find that weird? He's walked with them for three years. They've left everything. They've just spent all their time with Jesus, listening to all his teaching, seeing miracles, doing everything. Now he's going away, and nobody says, you're going away, where are you going? Like, that's weird to me. No one's asking where. And the reason is, he says, instead, you grieve. Here's why, because of what I've told you. You're grieving now because I've told you that I'm going away. You're grieving about it so much, you don't even ask where I'm going. But in fact, he says, it's best for you, now just get a load of this, it's best for you that I go away? Now, they, he, he didn't say like a question. <laughs> I just put the question marks on because I'm like, that's best? That's, that would be best. They're like, Jesus, no, we've been with you. You've done some crazy, crazy things. Jesus, there was this one time, now just, Jesus, I'm just going to remind you of this. We're fishermen. We're fishermen. We're used to being on the Sea of Galilee. We're, it's normal for us. One time we were there on the Sea of Galilee, and the waves just rolled up so big, we were all afraid. Like, we were afraid. We were scared. And you went, shh, like that, and the waves stopped. Now tell us that it's best that you go away. Who's going who's gonna to calm the storms? Jesus, one time we were with you, and there were like 10,000 people, and nobody had anything to eat. And you, you, you grabbed a couple of loaves of bread and you grabbed some fish and just like that. We got leftovers now. We had, we had more than leftovers. Who's going to do that? How is it better that you go away? Jesus, this one time, you remember this? We went down, we saw, we were in Bethany, we saw Mary and Martha. You remember this, Jesus? We went and saw Mary and Martha. Their brother Lazarus died and he was in a tomb. And you told him to come out and he did. Now tell us this, how is it going to be better that you go away? Like, they just got to be wondering, what on earth? Are you out of your ever-loving mind, Jesus? Why would you say something like that? And he says, it's best because if I don't go, if I don't, the advocate, if you got a Bible open, man, circle that word, underline that word, highlight that word. You're going to put some notes on the word. The advocate won't come. The advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I'll send him to you. Now, this advocate... Uh, raise your hand if your Bible says comforter. Okay, some of the older, yep, the older translations say comforter. Uh, uh, raise your hand if your translation says helper. 
A couple of those, yeah. Some translations say the helper. It depends on what translation you had. Advocate, comforter, helper, it's, it's all the same word. This is the Greek word parakletos. Parakletos, para. It's where we get our word uh, paraclete. Uh, we think of it as the helper, the comforter. It's translated a lot of different ways. Para is alongside. Kletos means to come. Parakletos, to come alongside. That's what the Holy Spirit, this advocate is the Holy Spirit, and his whole job is to come alongside us. Now, before we go any further, I want to make this point so that you get this, because this is going to be an important reference point as we move forward. If you're a follower of Jesus, and I know not all of you are followers of Jesus that are here. Can I just say this? If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I love that you're here. I love that you would walk into a church. Some of you are like, mm, I'm not really a big church guy. I didn't really grow up in the church. I'll just go. I'll check. I love it. I love that you want to be part of the discussion. You are always welcome here. You just keep coming. I love having you here. If you ever want to have a discussion, I love talking about this stuff. I love asking questions. I love saying, I don't really have an answer for that. I, I just love those. The rest of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, meaning this, not that you go to church, not that your mother was a follower of Jesus, not that you, you, know, you do things at Christmas, and Easter, not that. I'm talking about you've surrendered your life to Jesus. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you just need to know this going forward this morning. Make this note because this stuff is going to apply to you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You just need to know that. So the things that we talk about are going to apply to you. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to tell you at the end how that can apply to you. But if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and all these things apply to you. Now you say, well, how do we know that the Holy Spirit lives in us? This is a passage you should write down. You're going to need to remember this, and you, you, you need to sometimes remind yourself of this. The Apostle Paul, was in a, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and this is what he says to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter th- 1, he says, and when you believed in Christ, again, very important to note, not a cognitive belief, not just like, hmm, I believe there was this Jesus, yes. No, no, no. This is an active word. It means this, when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you committed your life to Jesus, when you decided full on, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus and the rest of my life will be dictated by that. Will I screw up? Yes, I'll screw up. But I'm going to be committed to surrender to follow Jesus. When you do that, when you believed in Christ, he says, God, Christ, identified you as his own. This word identified means marked you as his own. It means sealed, not like seal something tight, but you put your seal on it. It identifies you. It's a mark on you. When you believed in Christ, when you surrendered your life to Christ, Christ, God, identified you, marked you as his own. Now, some of you took your kids to Tiny Valley this morning, right? We're praying to God that you pick them up when everything is over. But you took your kids to Tiny Valley this morning. And when you go, you boop, 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 and you check in, and they give you this sticker. You rip it in half, right? You keep one half. The other one, what do you do? Bam, you smack it on your kid. You, you plaster your kid with that sticker. Now, after the service, again, hopefully, you'll go and you pick your children up. And you take that sticker in, and you go, this is my kid. And they look around the room and they go, that's her. That's, my, that's your kid right there. That's him. They marked that. Right, because you marked, you identified your kid. Right. When you came to be a follower of Jesus, blam, he put a mark on you. How? By giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised you long ago. When you become a follower of Jesus, he marks you, he puts a seal on you, an identifying mark on you that specifically says, you are mine, that one belongs to me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The moment you surrender your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in, you marks you. Got it? Okay, 
So now let's go back. I just want you to know that going forward because it's very important. All this stuff will apply to you. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? Okay, let's go back and look at that word advocate, parakletos. It's where we get our word paraclete. This is speaking of specifically in our passage. It's identifying exactly the Holy Spirit. That word advocate, right, this, this Greek word parakletos is... is uh, uh, translate a number of ways, but we'll look at it this morning. The comforter, the counselor, and the encourager. He, the Holy Spirit, is a comforter. He, the Holy Spirit, this is ways that he behaves and acts in your life, is a counselor. He is an encourager. Now, there are other things that the Holy Spirit does, but basically we're fitting everything into these categories. So I want you to see this. First and foremost, he's the comforter. He's the comforter. Now look at this. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Second Corinthians, all praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, God is our merciful Father and the source of what kind of comfort? All. All comfort. All comfort from, comes from God. He goes on and he says, he comforts, there's that word again, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Now just stop and think about this. Soak that in. The Holy Spirit comforts you. He alleviates stress, distress. He eases stress and distress in your life. Why? Look at it. Why? Because someday you're going to be able to comfort other people. Right? Look, man, I'm a, I'm a high school kid, 16 years old. I, I've said this a million times. I come home to an empty house. There were people who spoke into my life. There were people who encouraged me. They comforted me. They prayed with me. They spent time with me. Do you know what I've been able to do now in my life? I can speak into kids' lives. You got a parent that left. You got parents that split. I get it. I can speak into their lives. And in fact, God comforted me and wants me to comfort other people. See, some of you have been through horrific divorces. I mean, just gut-wrenching divorces. And now you know someone. And the same thing is happening to them. Wake up. We're supposed to minister to them. You can comfort them with the comfort that you were given, right? Some of you have lost jobs and it's just been gut-wrenching and you're having financial crisis. Wake up, right? The Holy Spirit comforted you. Now you're able to comfort people who are in that same situation. Some of you have lost loved ones and, and you've been comforted by the Holy Spirit. Now you're able to use that and to comfort other people who are going through the exact same thing right? So he says he comforts us so that we can comfort the same comfort. Then he goes on and he says, for the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ, through Christ, through the spirit of Christ. That comfort is there for you. Comfort literally means to ease or alleviate distress. Some of you on your beds at home, you have a comforter. You have a comforter. What's the purpose of that thing? To alleviate or ease the distress of the outside environment, the cold. You get under that thing and you feel the warmth of it. It eases your distress. Guess what? That's literally what the Holy Spirit does in your life. If you're a follower of Christ, that spirit lives in you. That spirit, absolutely. Now, we said that he was a comforter. He's also a counselor. He's also a counselor. Right? To counsel is to teach, to give advice, to give wisdom to. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John, but he also wrote three letters. In churchy words, we call them epistles. They're letters. They traveled around to different churches. In the first one of those, in 1 John, the epistle written by the Apostle John, he says, For the Spirit teaches, this is that counseling, he teaches you everything you need to know. 
And what he teaches is true. It's not a lie. Everything that you need to know, right now the Holy Spirit teaches you. Now, do we need human teachers? We do. Sometimes the Holy Spirit works through people. But I'm just saying, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. In his gospel, John says this, but when the Father sends the advocate, who's that? Holy Spirit. As my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. Raise your hand if there's anything you need to know. Guess where that's coming from? It's going to come from the Holy Spirit. He may just speak it to you. He may speak through other people. That's why we're in the Word constantly, because the Holy Spirit speaks through His Word. So one of the things, when I, when I have my devotions daily and I read the Scripture, I say, Holy Spirit, because I know the Holy Spirit's in me. I say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me. Teach me. Further, you ever been in one of those weird situations? He says, when you're arrested, raise your hand. No, don't raise your hand. When you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. Now he's talking to the disciples. They're going to be going through hardships. He's, another way to understand this is when you're having a real hardship, a really difficult time, don't worry about how you're going to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. And he goes on and he says, for it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. You ever done this? I've been in situations before and I'm sitting with somebody and they, right? It's just they're having a hard time in life. It's been very difficult. I've actually said something and I've thought in my head, that was brilliant. Where did that come from? I'm not that bright. That's the Holy Spirit just spoke through you. The Spirit's going to give you that when you need it. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to them. How? Power of the Holy Spirit. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit's in you, that wisdom is in you. We go looking at everything, reading everything, Googling everything, YouTube and everything. When was the last time we just sat and said, what's the Holy Spirit want to say? When's the time we dug into the Word and said, Father, speak to me? Here's one of the things that I think challenges us. We do this. We go, where, where does it talk about, um, I, I don't have a job right now. Where is that? Do, do you, know what I, you, want to, you want to know the mystery of how the Holy Spirit works? I go into the Word, and I start praying about something, and it's way over here. My life need is way over here. I start reading way over here, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, right into that. Have you, have you experienced that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, that wasn't anything that that passage of Scripture was about, but the Holy Spirit brought me something because I sought the Holy Spirit. I said, Spirit, what do you have? What, what, what would you teach me? What, what wisdom? If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it'll be given to you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, right? So we said he's the comforter. We said he's the counselor, teacher, gives advice, discernment, wisdom, He's also an encourager. An encourager means to encourage, to put courage into you, to put strength into you, to build you up when you're just feeling down or weak. Now, this is Paul writing again, and he says this to the Ephesians church. I pray that out of his, God, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with what? With power. Through whom? Through his spirit, who is in your inner being. Did you just get that? See, some of you got up this morning, you're like, man, I'm struggling right now. I've, I've had such a hardship. I don't know if I can get myself to church. Holy Spirit, give me strength right now. I need your strength, Holy Spirit. 
See, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He'll give you that strength. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives you strength. You're just like, ah, I'm so frustrated right now, and I'm just drained, and I'm down because I've been battling with this illness. Guess what? Holy Spirit, give me strength by the power of the strength. Remember Paul writing to the church says, man, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strongest. That's why I'm strongest. Why? Because during those times, Paul would not rely on his own strength. He would rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit. That's like, that's like not even like superpowers. The Holy Spirit's like superpowers. No, no, no. I'm the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is real power. We got so many things today that we're trying to overcome by our own willpower. We're trying to overcome drugs or alcohol or pornography. We're trying to overcome our spending habits. We're trying... Silly, silly power of the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit is so much stronger than your and my willpower. Right? The whole world is trying to do things on willpower. No, spirit power. The power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Working in your life. I'm the guiltiest person in this room. Can I just, can I just confess to you, this is how pastors operate. Oh, I know I can do that. I know I can do that. Our church could do great stuff. Oh, man, we're, we got a great pastoral staff. We do. And you know in our, our pastoral staff, you know, and I'm the, the, the most effective, the most powerful, is when I stop using my own strength, stop using my own power, allow the Holy Spirit to work through me. That's, the, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, two key things that I want you to get about the Holy Spirit, about who he is. Two things, and these are going to be really important to you, really important things. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. Don't forget that. The Holy Spirit is God. We do this all the time in the church. We say, oh, yeah, we believe in the, in the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. Right on. You believe in the doctrine of the Trinity? Oh, yes, 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 brother. Tell me, who's the Trinity? You know, brother, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I didn't catch the last one. What was the last one? You know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, everybody. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit, and he is God. Uh, we believe this, that the doctrine taught in the Bible is that it is one God in three persons. One God in three persons, right? God the Father is God. Jesus the Son is God. The Holy Spirit is what? Is God. The heresy in the church is what's called modalism. And modalism says, yes, there is one God. Sometimes he kind of acts like the Father. Sometimes he kind of acts like Jesus the Son. And sometimes he acts like the Holy Spirit. No. Three distinct persons. The Holy Spirit is a separate distinct person, but is God. It's the mystery of the Trinity. Don't ask me to explain it because I don't get it. Right? But the Holy Spirit is God. Now, just to point this out to you biblically, there's an incidence in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. So remember this, Jesus has been crucified, he died, he rose from the dead. He walks the earth for 40 days with his disciples. He ascends into heaven. He's hanging out for about another 10 days and we get to Pentecost. After Pentecost, the Spirit is in the believers there and, and he's working powerfully, right? So there's a situation where a man and a woman, Ananias and Sapphira, sell a piece of property and they give the money to the church. Now here's what they really did. They sold the piece of property for this much money but they gave this much of it to the church. It doesn't matter, it's up to them. They can give whatever they want to the church, but the reality is they lied about what they gave. The sin isn't that they only gave a part of it. That's not a sin. The sin is that they lied. So watch what Peter says to them. He says, Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied. Now look at who he said to you. Lied to the Holy Spirit. 
Very important here, watch what he says. You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Now, Peter goes on to tell them later, it wouldn't have mattered. You could have given whatever you wanted. That's your money. The point I'm making here is he says you lied to the Holy Spirit. Look at the reference. Acts 5, verse 3. Just so you know, very next verse. In that same context, the same discussion. He says, how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Well, wait a minute. He just said he lied to the Holy Spirit. And now he says you lied to God. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Just You need to know that. And along with that, the other thing you should understand is that the Holy Spirit is a person. We say one God in three persons. This is more important than you realize. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, I want to take you back to the, the farewell discourse just a little earlier. We read in John chapter 16, still in the farewell discourse at the very beginning of John chapter 14. Now watch what Jesus is saying. I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Now watch, the tempo's going to pick up. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him, doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. If I go away, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the word of its sin. Are we done? Do you get this? The Bible never refers to the Holy Spirit as it. It only refers to the Holy Spirit as he or him or his. Why? Because he is a person. And this is significant, really significant. And here's why. Because the person of the Holy Spirit allows you to have a personal relationship with God. There isn't just this distant far off God. You know, in the ancient world, in ancient Israel, that was the belief. There was a far off, distant, ancient, angry God. That is not true. This is God in three persons. Namely, we're talking about today the Holy Spirit, who is a person who, if you're a follower of Christ, lives in you. It allows you to have a personal relationship. Now, just for the record, just as a tease, we have way misunderstood that. I believe this personal relationship with God thing, we've way misunderstood. But for now, just know this. It means you have a personal relationship as in he's in you. He's with you. He's always there, right? Uh, I've told this story before, so if you were here before, I told this a few years back, you just go, put your hand up and go like this. That means second time for you. Okay, good. So a number of years ago, I had a buddy who was a trainer in the NBA, and uh, Tommy was uh, in a city that I was going to regular, regular, regular. I was always going to that city. I'd get there every month. I'd get to that city, and the NBA season was long, and so whenever I would go to that city and there was a game, I always, I always got tickets. I had killer seats. I'd sit right down front, and then he said to me, hey, uh, when the game's over, just come down, come, in, come down to the tunnel and come down and find me. And you go down to the tunnel, you go to the locker room. We just literally hang out in the locker room. You're meeting players. You're just, it's, really, it's really fun. You're just hanging out there. So the first time the game's over and I head down to the tunnel and everybody's trying to get into the tunnel. You, know, you got families, you got girlfriends, you got, you got just fans just wanting to get back there. And so I walk up to the security guard and he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, I'm here with uh, Tom. And he's like, yeah, no, you're not, no. Just then my buddy's walking by, right? And he goes, hey, he's with me. I'm like, that's right, I'm with him, brother. Like, no, so, so, so I just walk in. Now, why do I get to do that? Because Tom and I have a personal relationship. Think of that word advocate. Advocate. 
Tom was my advocate at that moment, speaking to the security guard right now. The Holy Spirit is your advocate who goes to God the Father and says, they're with us, they're with us, let's go. Like that's what the advocate does, right? The person of the Holy Spirit allows you to have a personal, you now have a personal relationship where he's always with you. Now, we go back to the apostles, go back to the apostles. Jesus says, it's better for you that I go. And the question for the apostles had to simply be this, what could be better than having Jesus right here beside us? What could possibly be better than that? Are you kidding me? 1988, the Olympics were in Seoul, South Korea, and Great Britain had, Great Britain had a, a runner. His name was Derek Redmond. Derek Redmond was the national champion in the, uh, in the, in the 400-meter uh, race, which those of you who are tracks, there's probably 400, 800, maybe the two worst, most grueling races in all of track. Derek Med Redmond was the national champ in Great Britain, and his lifelong dream is going to come true, and he's going to the Olympics. He goes to Seoul. Ten minutes before the race starts, he scratches because he's got an Achilles injury. Are you kidding me? I mean, the guy's heartbroken, heartbroken. What do I do now? The next Olympics are four years away. It's going to be like 1992. Are you kidding me? What's he do? He trains. He trains. He trains. Four more years, he trains, and he ends up in Barcelona. Watch this video clip. Tom Hammond and Craig Massback back at Olympic Stadium in Barcelona, coming up to the men's 400-meter semifinals. Here are the lane assignments. Steve Lewis in lane three. Top four to Wednesday's final. Steve Lewis in lane three. Roberto Hernandez out quickly in four. Now down the back stretch. Ismael on the left of the screen is running very, very quickly. And inside of Lewis, Sunday Bada of Nigeria. And Derek Redmond of Great Britain has pulled up with an injury. Redmond is out. Derek Redmond, the British record holder and an important member of that British 4 by 400 meter relay team as he doesn't want anybody to help him. It'll be Lewis to win in 44.50. Look at this, he's going to try to finish his semi-final race. The British have a certain tradition of running, which you have to respect. A bizarre finish to this first semi-final in the men's 400 meters. Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury halfway down the back stretch. He's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lane. And now the pain too much. Olympic Stadium as Redmond, with assistance this time, approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach.
Man, are you kidding me? There's a great line on there at the very end of that. Tom Hammond, who's, who's the announcer, he says, that's the Olympic spirit. Are you serious? Olympic spirit? I don't, want, I don't need no Olympic spirit. Give me the Holy Spirit. I mean, like, that's what the Holy Spirit does in your life. He's, I thought about this when I saw that video the first time. What if that dad who loves his son and wants to help his son, what if that dad gets up someday and uh, he says, man, that's cool. My son is going to go to the Olympics. I want to be there for him. And so he's back in, in London. He hops on a plane at Heathrow and he gets a, oh, the flight was canceled. That'd be a bummer because now he can't be there beside him. What if he actually gets to Barcelona and it's the day of the event and he oversleeps? And he doesn't get to the stadium. Maybe there's traffic. He doesn't get to the stadium. Maybe, maybe it's he gets sick and he doesn't get to the stadium. He won't be able to be there right beside him. Not beside him. He won't be able to be there. You, you know what could be better than having Jesus beside you? Simple. Having Jesus inside you. Because he will always be there. He is always there. He is always inside you. Everywhere you go. Comforting you counseling you, strengthening you. That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life because you have a personal relationship because he has come to live inside you. So if you knew, we always do a big so what. So if you're sleeping, this is the only time you have to wake up. What's the big so what today? Man, the Holy Spirit inside you is even better than Jesus beside you. Man, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, what do you mean better? What could be better than having you right here beside us? I'll tell you what. Jesus said, it's better that I go, because if I don't go, the advocate can't come. If I go, I'll send him to you. And I just think we need to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Some of you here this morning, man, you need some comforting. Holy Spirit, comfort me. Holy Spirit, I, I receive comfort from you. Comfort me this morning. Some of you are in a pinch in life and you need some wisdom. You need a word. You need discernment. You need to speak into somebody else's life. Where is that going to come from? Power of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? Not beside you. Inside you. That, that spirit is there. He is in you. He is living in you, wanting to give you all those things. Some of you are just desperate right now. You're just wiped out. You're drained. You're, you're, you're struggling. Guess what? The encourager lives inside you if you're a follower of Jesus. So what do we do with this? What now? That's the big so what. What's the big now what? The big now what is this? Think about this. Acknowledge it and allow. So you know what you need to do? You need to do what I need to do sometimes. That's right. That's right. That's right. I remember that. I remember. I remember. The Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit is alive in me. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's, he, 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 gives, he gives counsel. He, he gives courage, strength. That's right. I remember that. We're chasing everything, looking for answers everywhere, looking for strength everywhere. Five-hour energy. Listen, Holy Spirit. Let's acknowledge that. Let's remember that. And then number two, I would just say this, allow it. Allow that this morning. Just allow it. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. Allow him to comfort you. Stop chasing it everywhere else. Holy Spirit, I've been chasing comfort everywhere else. I know you want to comfort me. Comfort me this morning. Holy Spirit, I know I've been looking for wisdom everywhere else. I've been looking for teaching and knowledge and discernment everywhere else. Holy Spirit, 
you speak to me. Holy Spirit, you teach me. Holy Spirit, I've been looking for strength and power everywhere else. Holy Spirit, you. Allow that. Allow the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you needed the word or you needed wisdom and you just stopped and shut up and just listen? Like, man, I'm, I am so guilty of that. I pick up a book. I'll read something else. I'll see what so-and-so has to say. What if we allowed the Holy Spirit to speak? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We're so grateful for your spirit, God. We're so grateful for your spirit. We're so grateful, Jesus, that you left. We're thankful that you left. We know that your spirit now lives in us and we are grateful. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you this morning. We acknowledge that you are here right now, that you are here with us, and we're grateful, Holy Spirit. Thank you.